Welcome to Wow Soch, a show where we take you on a literary journey with award-winning authors and what makes the Valley of Words such a spectacular literature fest, running its fifth edition this year. So, uh, with that uh, perspective, in the sense that how uh, we at the uh, uh, kind of victims of the border issue, you call it, or or somebody who has to face the brunt of it, Dr. Chalji has presented uh, that picture to you. I also come from the same uh, area. We are uh, we are a different valley just below, but uh, that is not so far claimed by Nepal. So maybe we we don't have the same issue in terms of uh, proving our citizenship. But the issue is that we see it on a daily basis that this border issue, and we have not seen it just now. We have seen it in the past in 1980s when the blockade had happened, and quite a few things have happened in the past. And we'll come to those issues also later. But what we tend to uh, somehow, uh, I mean, forget in this whole scenario is that India-Nepal is not just about the two countries, but also the Nepalese community, which which not lives only in Nepal but lives in India also. This may have happened for a larger set of population thinking that the Gurkha soldiers have stayed back or maybe those people who have come for work, they've stayed back. But it is the uh, people of who speak Nepalese or who are or from the Nepalese community descendants are part of Indian, uh, Indian citizenship, Indian uh, states. That is something which is forgotten. And for that, uh, I had uh, invited uh, Satyadeep Chetriji to also bring that perspective as to what happens when we talk about all these relationships. So before I invite him, I will uh, read out his brief bio. Uh, Dr. Satyadeep Chetri is an associate professor at Narbahadur Bhandari Degree College, previously known as Sikkim Government College in Gantok. Uh, for past 20 years, he has PhD in chemistry and his scientific work in national and international journals has been published. Uh, his, uh, apart from his professional life, he is very active in civil society uh, uh, in Gangtok. Presently, he is on the boards of two largest NGOs of Sikkim, ECOS and Sati. He is also a very active member of IMI, and uh, he is a passionate science communicator, environmentalist, policy analyst, and avid quizzer. Uh, he has also been writing consistently on socio-political issues and has been columnist in the leading local English series like Sikkim Express, Sikkim Chronicle, and Himal South Asia. He also writes fiction, poetry, and has uh, uh, interest in the Gorkha issues also. So I'll request Satyadeep to bring uh, not only uh, just the issues regarding the border, but also this whole uh, issue about how the Nepalese community uh, feels about it when this, these issues come up. And also, of, of course, there are Gokhaland issues, which may not be directly related, but you could throw light on that also. So, Satyadeep, please. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Yeah, so, uh, thank you very much. I'm very uh, thankful to Valley of Words and uh, the RST Forum for inviting me uh, on this uh, platform to share a stage with um, uh, uh, very notable figures of India. Basically, uh, I am a Nepali by uh, birth uh, and I speak the Nepali language. Uh, that means, uh, but uh, there's also another issue to it and that is I'm an Indian. Uh, that's what I have to say because I remember uh, about two years back, uh, the uh, former chief minister of Sikkim, who was there for the last 25 years on the chair of the chief minister of Sikkim, had gone to Delhi and someone had asked him that, Aap kab I mean, Nepal se kab 
you know uh, so these are issues that 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 uh, the indian nepalis have always faced uh, these are issues uh, uh, where the nepalis of india have started calling themselves gorkhas post 1984-86 this huge revolution that happened across the boundaries of sikkim in the darjeeling kalimpong himalayas you know so um, this is what we've been feeling and this is what uh, the, the identity pinch that has been continuously thrown on the indian nepalis for the uh, i mean the last 100 years every time uh, there there are questions regarding the identity issues uh, as in uh, are you a indian or are you a nepali as nepali as in nepal nepali or as you are you in so um, uh, it's very interestingly that when the agitation took place the gorkhaland agitation took place in, in a huge scale where almost 1200 to 1500 people lost their lives um, this was whole the whole uh, this uh, inflammation of this whole uh, problem was because of the identity issue and it still carries on till date uh, secondly i i'm uh, i'm sitting in uh, giving this talk from a place called sikkim where uh, is uh, today if we see the boundaries of sikkim as a state or as a country before 1975 is an outcome of the indo uh, uh, sorry um, anglo nepal treaty of 1816 the sogali treaty you know after 1816 what happened was in 1817 the treaty of titalia was signed and that was the time the large tract of areas between mahanadi and mechi was given back to sikkim uh, i mean the nepalese army gave back it back to uh, the, the the british and they handed it over to the king of sikkim that, that's that's the story that means if we redraw our boundaries this is also an outcome of the indo india i mean india as in concept at that time but it is a fallout of this treaty that was signed in 1816 which napchi alji has uh, even said that i am very happy that ranjit rai ji has said a very interesting fact and that is it is people to people contact now uh, i recently about uh, about a year back i had gone to a place called manebanjang which is very close to uh, sikkim it's it is on the border of uh in uh, india and uh, nepal in the darjeeling hills and uh, i saw a lot of uh, uh, I, i visited that place almost after three or four years and post uh, 90, uh, 2015 uh, you know when the embargo happened and when there was a slight uh, change in the indo nepal uh, you know relationship uh, i saw a lot of ssb placed there the shashastra sima bal Uh, right up to the point of sandakfu all across the line and, and then uh, i uh, we have now there is a jeepable road but, but uh, when we trekked to that place uh, i happened to meet and and you know these are like uh, these are like uh, small treks where uh, sometimes you are inside the nepal border and sometimes you are in the indian indian side you, so you really don't know which side you are walking uh, these are small mountain trails Uh, so when we reached there and i i met one nepali family and i was sitting with them and having tea uh, of course there's no like there's no border as such as in a wired fenced border but uh, they were very unhappy with the presence of the ssb uh, saying that you know uh, our relations no more remain the same now we have someone we have a gatekeeper uh, right 
across our road. And I actually, I saw there was one SSB uh, unit which was stationed just outside our house. I came out of Mane Banjang and I started driving towards Mirik. And, you know, uh, I'll tell you a story. Uh, that is, there are places where you keep your vehicle on the road, which is on the Indian side. Then you open the gates of your garden and then you enter your house, which is in the Nepal side. And there is no, actually, there are no fences to, uh, to, to uh, you know, to demarcate which side is India and which side is uh, Nepal. So basically what has happened is also the fact that uh, the Nepali community in India who've been staying there for 200 or 300 years, and I and I, I, I remember uh, our, again, our, I quote my ex-chief minister who had said in a big forum um, that, you know, whenever, when I was asked, like, uh, when did you, uh, when did you come to India? I said that I came with Lord Buddha. I mean, uh, Ranjit Raiji has mentioned that, you know, they are very uh, strongly, uh, uh, very, uh, uh, and River Buddha is being part of the biggest philosopher of their country. Uh, but what actually happened to us, uh, we Nepalis in India, is that there is a, there is a constant conflict which is uh, on. I mean, uh, the conflict as in where or where do you belong to? Now, these are very, very important questions. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. So, uh, so these are issues, you know, let us not... So, so again, I'm coming back to the people, like every time. Today, if you see in India, there are more, more than about 1 to 1.5 million Nepali citizens in India, you know. Uh, 1992, Nepali has been part of the eighth schedule of languages in India. That means it's a recognized la national language of India, you know, of the 24, 25-odd languages that's recognized by the government of India under the eighth schedule of the constitution. Uh, today, if you see um, by language, uh, there are about 30 lakh people who speak Nepali by uh, as a mother tongue. But then there are other offshoots like the Limbus, the Tamangs, the Rais, the Magars, the Gurungs. They have their own language. So when the language uh, survey was happening, they've of course recorded themselves as, as uh, Nepali not being their mother tongue, but they've said that, okay, right. But then when you bring it together, the whole uh, galaxy of all the Nepali uh, subcaste, it comes together as the Indian Nepali. So we are around about 60 to 70 lakhs, that's what uh, overall figure says. And there are about, uh, about 1 to 1.5 crores of Indians who actually speak the language. Uh, so even after that, you know, every time there has been a problem of asking, where do you come from? So, so these are issues uh, that has been plaguing the entire Indian Nepali community, deep within. The second part, of course, has been the Indo-Nepal Treaty of 1950 uh, the peace and friendship treaty also has become like you know a sore uh, prayer, this one in the throat what has happened actually is that because of this treaty there are uh, clause 7 which says that a nepali citizen or an indian citizen can move across borders freely and also by land and property so there are a lot of in uh, nepali citizens in india uh, not only Nepali as in Nepali caste, but there are even Biharis and Marwaris and, you know, all these people who have both the Nagarikta of Nepal and of India because of their property 
and because of the trade and commerce that they've been doing in their respective countries. Now, this has, but the problem what happens is uh, there was never an issue with, say, a Bihari or a, or a you know, or a Marwari or a, any of the business communities that we're talking about who have been doing trade and commerce in both these countries, but it's always the Indian uh, Nepalese who have faced the brunt, you know, of where do you belong? So, so this question of where do you belong has big has a big ramification, and that was the issue where in eighty four to eighty eight, when the huge Gorkhaland Andolan happened, and which was supported by the entire Nepali community of India, who who now call themselves actually Gorkhali. There is, I mean, you know, the, they have since we have a Gorkha regiment in India. So at that time, they had to face something. They wanted to call themselves Bharpali, something like a Bharatiya Nepali types, you know. But then it was <laughs> it was not accepted. But then, uh, yeah, Gorkha sounded, uh, yeah, it has always been there, and that is the reason that uh, the then leader of uh, the Gorkha and Andolan, Mr. Subhash Gising, said that okay, okay, let's have this coin, this word called Gorkha, and let's start calling ourselves Gorkha. And if you see today, uh, the Indian Nepalese have started calling them Gorkhali. You know, they say that I am a Gorkha. But my language is Nepali because that's what is there in the constitution of India. So, you know, this, this identity issue has always been a problem for the Indian Nepalese or the Gorkhas that we are talking about because of all these different uh, issues um, that India and Nepal shares. And every time there is a conflict, uh, you know, uh, people get, I mean, worried as what would be our state? Because, you know, uh, even after staying 300 years in this country or 400 years or let us say we, uh, there are places like Darjeeling uh, or parts of Sikkim were part of Nepal once upon a time. So the people have come with their land. That is what the other, I mean, the people in mainland India do not send, try to understand. So this, this, this will continuously, you know, um, the trouble. The entire, I mean, a generation, a generation was troubled, and a generation will be troubled. Um, just to finish my uh, talk with a small um, uh, this one anecdote or, or a real happening. Uh, in 1947, when India got independence, you know, Darjeeling. Everybody will be knowing Darjeeling because Darjeeling tea is very famous. Uh, Darjeeling municipal municipality, which is the one of the oldest municipality in India. You know, 1850 it was established, Darjeeling municipality. It had the Pakistan flag flying on top from 14th of April to 18th of April. The Pakistani flag was flying because the people didn't know. They thought, okay, Bangladesh has gone East Pakistan, so we were part of the Rajshahi division or of the Bengal. So possibly Darjeeling has also gone with Pakistan and the Pakistan flag fluttered for four days until someone had to come and tell them, come on, you are in India and let's put the Indian flag, you know. So you can understand where this all these thoughts are emanating. So thank you very much. I mean, uh, we can take this discussion forward. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, Krishna, you can take over. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Thank you, Satyadeep. Thank you for uh, sharing these very interesting anecdotes and uh, I wanted to put uh, some of these questions to Ranjit Raidi because this people-to-people -people relationship is something which we have talked about. We have talked about Nepali aspirations, ambitions, their own identity issue. And uh, both, I, mean, like, I can claim for three of us, uh, those who have uh, 
kind of a face which looks like Nepali and uh, those who have lived in the mainlands of India, they recall it because the mainland. We, we've had a, this issue where I know I can sympathize with the Nepali as to why they would feel anti-Indian at times. Because we ourselves have faced this issue where you walk in the UP's uh, Lucknow, Bajar, Bareilly or somewhere and you immediately get uh, you know called Nepali or Bahadur, things like that. So, and uh, when I had, I think, first time I promised to go to uh, Kathmandu, I realized as to how people would uh, reciprocate to you in a certain way. And I think that has reflected over a period of time when democracy came and people had opportunity to express themselves. They did express, uh, and those things are manifesting today. So how do we look at this people-to-people -people relationship, not just in terms of the, uh, you know, what we talk about, talk in terms of talks here and there, but actual people-to-people -people relationship. How do we start looking at Nepalese with respect so that that respect is then ultimately seen by Nepalese as a sign of friendship? So that is something with, I mean, because I've heard one of your talks in uh, Kirbon University also, people, you, you've had that, that kind of relationship with people where you would have spoke to younger generation in Nepal. Uh, I really would like to hear more from you on this issue. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Krishna. And I think it's a very good question. And, you know, to me, the people-to-people -people relationship is the foundation of the relationship between the two countries. I think, uh, you know, this is the most ancient part of the relationship, you know, even before the two countries were formed. And the government-to-government -government relationship, of course, is, 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 is much later. The second point, and I think uh, Satyadeep made this point about the SSB. So, you know, we must understand, and especially our security forces must understand that this is an open and a friendly border. The India-Nepal border is not like India-Pakistan border. It is not like India-Bangladesh border that is fenced. This is an open border, very, very friendly border. There is constant uh, coming and going from each other's countries, you know, for shopping, for anything. You have a marriage in your family in Nepal. You go to, you know, the bazaars of uh, Raksol uh, or Jogbani uh, to do your shopping and you come back. So it's a very open and friendly border. And, you know, I think this is one huge problem that uh, the, the deployment of the border guarding forces, SSB on our side, and the armed police force on the other side, have uh, sometimes caused a lot of problems uh, for the people. And I think, you know, here we're looking at the security in a very narrow, uh, constricted way. I think we should look at security in terms of mutual development along the border, in terms of the good relationship between the two communities on the border, in terms of good relationship between the intelligence communities on the border, because, you know, sometimes the open border is misused by inimical uh, uh, third parties. So the solution to that is not to make the border less open, but to keep it open and strengthen your intelligence cooperation, police cooperation to minimize the uh, adverse uh, linkages. Now, the third point, you know, uh, when I said there is this anti-Indian sentiment in Nepal, I want to qualify that. That sentiment is only amongst a certain section of the Kathmandu Valley. And traditionally, that used to be either the royalists, you know, the monarchists, or the leftist forces. In the rest of the country, there is no anti-India sentiment. There is a lot of affection, a lot of warmth lot of friendly feeling 
at the level of the peoples. And last point, see, sometimes in India, even though Nepal is so close to India, you will be surprised. I meet so many people in Delhi who have traveled all over the world and they have never been to Nepal. And their idea about Nepal comes from the Nepalese that they interact with uh, in Delhi, you know, so the, the labor class that is coming to work as, uh, you know, night watchmen or as, uh, you know, domestic uh, helpers and attendants. And that is why this uh, feeling, you know, every Nepali is a Bahadur. So there's a complete lack of understanding and sensitivity that, you know, Nepal is a very diverse country. It has a very rich culture and traditions. So there is a huge gap, I think, in terms of knowledge and information. And one of the points I've been making is that, you know, our universities should have uh, research institutes, uh, you know, for Nepal, for our other neighboring countries. We know a lot about Biden, Trump and what is happening in the USA. And we don't know anything about what is happening uh, in our own uh, neighborhood. So this is a big gap. And I think uh, this really needs to be uh, uh, filled. So we need much greater awareness, understanding, travel, you know, between the two sides, academic exchanges, parliamentary exchanges, youth exchanges. So, you know, we really need to nurture this people to people relationship. Of course, it's very strong. But you know, if we don't keep working at it and trying to improve it and resolving the problems, you know, a day may come when, uh, you know, we drift apart. And, uh, you know, that's not a very happy prospect. So we really need to work, uh, you know, to further strengthening this relationship. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Thank you, Raji. I mean, uh, when you mentioned uh, about SSB and uh, also Satyajit mentioned, I was reminded about the borders the way Europeans have uh, among themselves, the countries. You wouldn't really feel, I mean, you uh, people living in Geneva go to do shopping, their daily shopping in France and they come back and people live in France and they work in Geneva. I mean, this is just one of the examples and how we can achieve something similar in Indo-Nepal border relationship is very important. And I'm just, uh, I would like to share that this is a fact that our border management specifically by the uh, security forces needs to be improved not only for the uh, Indo-Nepal or Nepalese side, but also Indian side. I've been as a border person, I can tell you exactly how you would feel uh, when you are treated as somebody not from the country, just because of your looks, maybe at times, and uh, the way the border people, treat, border security forces treat you. I think they need to have this friendly management training over a period of time to understand as to how to behave with people. And most of our border troubles come from that only, as to how uh, uh, people in mainland who are in security forces, they behave with the people at the border. So that is something which I think is aside from our Indo-Nepal relationship. Uh, I wanted to take this question to uh, Nepal Chalji about uh, what Rai Ji has mentioned about Pancheshwar Dam. And this is one of the key issues, I think, which could uh, become uh, uh, a point where we can come together and maybe have reverse the dependence of uh, Nepal and India rather than India would be dependent on Nepal, at, uh, especially the energy uh, resources issues, things like that. So uh, uh, being from the area, having handled maybe Pancheshwar at different times during your administrative career also, I would like to know exactly how this is likely to be and will it really be uh, 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 having a good relationship back for us, uh, Pancheshwar issue? Napal Chalji? This... Uh... 
issue of uh, development of hydroelectric energy and uh, for water resources it has had a very checkered history and uh, when the idea was first mooted i think it was both india and nepal that had welcomed it but uh, nepal was besieged by this maoist uh, uh, movement and that time there was a halt to it after the new government came up uh, <clears throat> there was some progress and uh, mr rai must have been there during those days in nepal representing india uh, we came up with the agreement and uh, some uh, mechanism was also developed and uh, one of that was a joint company was formed in which the uh, nepalese would be the ceo and india indian side would be the chairman and uh, yes the headquarters would be at mahindranagar and a lot of uh, survey work had also commenced and uh, people had of course their own misgivings about uh, area that was to be submerged on the nepalese side as well as on the indian side so that is always there whenever there is a very big hydroelectric project uh, is conceived and in this case it is a really big one as the survey was saying it is about 5000 megawatt project so it's a really big one and uh, takes up the entire area from uh, the tarai up to the foothills and even beyond uh, uh, pitharagad and the beaches jolgiri so the vast area is to be submerged now <clears throat> both india and nepal may be keen on the project but we don't now see there's a lot of uncertainty after this uh, you know tension between india and nepal on the boundary issue you seem to have been a total halt on the project and it needs to be reenergized needs to be given a proper traction that is what uh, both india and nepal when bilaterally they are meeting when the foreign secretary level talks takes place it should be one of the major points on the agenda and uh, it would benefit both india and nepal and uh, in, uh, according to some it would benefit in uh, nepal more because their investment is not that much as uh, the entire amount uh, or the the major share has to be borne by india as far as the investment is concerned so we really hope that uh, once the talks start the atmosphere becomes conducive this would be taken up uh, i would like to add one more uh, aspect to this discussion that is the strategic and the security aspect uh, on the border i had an occasion to read an article by mr kanatmani dikshit who is a very well respected uh, journalist from nepal who was earlier uh, uh, editing himal i don't know whether he is still editing it there was some shadow over it in the past now he had uh, formulated uh, a principle saying that in any case this limpia dura nikulek area is to be given to nepal they are very much they have uh, very uh, strong evidence that's what they think and uh, in that event 
he suggests that the entire area should be demilitarized and it should be declared as a pilgrim zone for both India and Nepal, while it remains part of Nepal. That is the you know very fantastic uh, formulation that he has suggested. And uh, recently there has been one uh, disturbing development. That is, uh, uh, there has been a report of road being constructed from Changru up to Tinker and Tinker Pass. Now, um, Nepal, uh, Tibet has already, China has already built roads on their side. Once this uh, from Tinker Pass to Changru is connected, then we are really exposed to China. And if uh, the formulation that Mr. Uh, Dixit, I only hope that he has not done it on someone else's prompting. If that has to be taken on in principle or as a hypothesis, uh, even hypothetically, now what happens? In that case, the area gets demilitarized, entire area is exposed to China, and China on the Tibet side, they are only about uh, 15, 20 kilometers away from Lipu Lake. Now, the, they are building strong infrastructure there, and up to Lhasa, I think they are going to make a missile launching pad, and in, in the part of Taklako, Tibet, also they are stationing at least a division, 10th level of army, you know, Chinese PLA. So these strategic considerations, they should not be lost sight of, because uh, if you only think it as an issue of boundary in the with Nepal, I think it would be a very short-sighted view. We have to think it in a larger context. And when the China is so much close to the border from the Tinker side, from the Lipulay side, this opens up an entire issue of strategic uh, management on the border. So this also has to be taken care of by our uh, uh, policy makers or strategic uh, thinkers in Delhi when they talk about uh, Kalapani or uh, Limpiadura or Lipulek. Now, uh, very uh, interestingly, and it's very strange uh, on the part of Nepal that uh, they had only asked for Kalapani earlier, which was about 35 uh, square kilometers. And for the first time, as Mr. Rai was also pointing out, uh, they have they are now claiming over 300 kilometers, 375 kilometers square kilometers of land. For the first time, they are doing it. Now, uh, the reason uh, as to why they are doing, doing this kind of thing, after they have sat over for so long, and this, uh, they were only claiming uh, 35 square kilometers of land uh, around Kalapani, including Kalapani, why they are now claiming that Olympia uh, Dhura is the point from where Kala, Kali Nadi originates, and the entire area east of Kali Nadi. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Or the Kutiyangti, uh, our Kutiyangti should now be given to Nepal. That is a very dangerous, uh, you know, 
uh, formulation uh, from the point of view of strategy, from the point of view of our own defense, and this should not be lost sight of. And uh, while uh, taking up issues with Nepal, I think this concern should be voiced with them uh, because we are totally exposed after that. Even the building road from Tinker Pass to Thangru, that exposes our entire defense line. Some from there, the Zardang, just across the river. So this should be very, very dangerous for India. And I hope that our security experts, our defense uh, personnel at the higher level, and our external affairs people, they are cognizant of this fact. And they would take cognizance of this while taking up the issue with Nepal. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Thank you, Nepal Jaggi. Uh, we, I think, maybe are running out of time. So uh, I would like to ask Satyadeep that we mentioned that uh, the problems uh, Nepalese in India face. But uh, I think improving of India-Nepal relationship also would be one key aspect of, you know, as to how uh, Nepalese in India would uh, see a future uh, in terms of their own identity. So I would like to ask you, so what do you think will be a way forward for uh, on the border issue and what how government of India and government of Nepal will deal, but as to how Nepalese community in India would deal with this, what do you think how how we should go forward with that? Uh, before I answer your question, just just briefly, I would like to uh, bring forth the issue of the Chikinnik region, which is a small strip of land of about uh, twenty-two kilometers uh, wide and about six. 60 kilometers. That is the Chikinnik region. That uh, that's a small region of India, in between Nepal and uh, Bangladesh, and that is the strategic location. You know, if you see Doklam and all these issues that's happening in the Indochina border, it's just a it's just a stone's throw away. So we wouldn't like to have any type of adverse uh, you know uh, relationship with Nepal, whereas uh, this this Chikinnik region gets you know uh, uh, problematic. And uh, especially with the Gorkhaland issue, and if you look at the, uh, you know, it's been too long that a permanent political solution has not, the government of India has been saying it again and again. Uh, some type of, you know, recognition to the community saying that, look, you, you know, whenever a person comes, say, from a Tamil Nadu or a Maharashtra or a Bengal or Assam, they are branded as an Assamese or a Bihar, or from a Bihar, will be a Bihari or Bengal from Bengali. But with India, you know, this problem was never there with, say, with a Bangladeshi and a Bengal because there's a clear-cut boundary demarcation. There is a whole, uh, you know, fence border between the two countries and the dynamics are different. But it's not so with, with Nepal. So it's as uh, Ranjit Raiji has also been saying that, you know, the people-to-people -people contact is very, very important. That's number one. And number two is the recognition of some way, you know, this this entire region of North Bengal, say from the Chickenneck region above, Darjeeling, Kalimpong, Jalpaiguri, Kuchbihar, you know, there's a belt of, say, Kamtapur movement, the Bodoland Andolan, the Gorkhaland Andolan. It's a small area, you know, and you cannot keep this area fragile. You know, and it's just the other side, you have a huge China looking at you. You know, these are problems. These are problems which will be faced. And the more you keep it, you know, uh, let's take, for example, Darjeeling. 
Namchalji has said that they are, let's say, I mean, you know, declare that area as a pilgrimage region. But this is exactly the problem with the Darjeeling people have faced, I mean, Darjeeling and Kalimpong. Sometimes it was called an absorbed state. Sometimes it was called a left out place. Sometimes it was called a backtracked region. You know, there was, uh, you know, so there were different zones that has been excluded area. So these were areas right from, say, from the British India, say, from 1889, 1887, 88, 89. Uh, when the partition of Bengal happened in 1906, uh, you know, uh, Darjeeling was so important for the British that they moved it from the Rajshai division, they moved it into the uh, um, what do you call that in Bihar? Uh, that uh, the the division that was uh, in Bihar, they had shifted it over there. Now, so there has always been a shift in dynamics. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. So the only thing that the entire community in India want is some type of recognition. They had said a BGAC which did not work. An autonomous council, a GTA, which does not work, you know, uh, and it's it's not that key. Why is this region important for the entire Gorkha community? Is it because only the Gorkha community stay here? No, it isn't. What is important is that this is the region where the region was carved out of Nepal by British, and the people have been part of that land. That means they came to India with the land. They became part of India with the land. So this, this has never been a problem for the others. They had this 1947 to 1950 where they could join, uh, mergers happened. So, you know, uh, the royalties, the princely states joined, but it was never with Darjeeling. It was left abandoned till you know, almost 1954-56, uh, till, you know, there was uh, they were aligned to Bengal. I think that this is part of it. So it cannot go on like this, you know, and uh, this, and considering the importance, the geopolitical importance of this region, also for the benefit of India, because once you clip the chicken neck, the entire Northeast gets disconnected. Uh, you know, if you if you look at the region that way. Uh, so my only contention is, let's hope there is a permanent political solution. There is something that, you know, people, and there is also a movement in the social media, in the newspapers, media, you know, they create a lot of problems. They should be actually now creating a narrative saying that, look, these guys are part of India. They are Indians. They are not like Atumka Kawai Nepal, say, you know. <laughs> that narrative has to end uh, as fast as possible. You know? Yeah, thank you, Krishna. <laughs> like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. So, uh, I mean, uh, we have started with Ranjit Daiji and I would like to, I think, uh, finish with your uh, summing up statement in a way because you've heard us, uh, Satyadeep, maybe for the first time, uh, the East View has come into your account of this whole Indo-Nepal relationship discussion which we're having now. So, uh, so the fact that uh, both have hard stances today and they've taken stances which they're very uh, irre irrecoverable sort of a thing. So uh, what is, the, because I, I asked about the Pancheshwar Dam, thinking that that could be a bargaining chip for a you know, for both parties to talk about uh, reconciliation on this issue. So what do you think uh, would be a possible way of actually bringing about resolution of this problem, which we have created ourselves now? And uh, if you could sum it up for us for today's discussion. I thought the summing up is something that you would do. <laughs> but 
No, but anyway. <laughs> but, you know, the only thing I want to say is that, you know, India is a factor in domestic politics of Nepal. So that is something we have to keep into account. So when we look at India-Nepal issues, uh, it's, you know, they, you can't just look at them in isolation. You have to look at them in terms of how they play out in terms of the domestic politics of Nepal. And secondly, I think as Nepal Chalji has made a very important point, we should also look at the wider strategic dimension where we have a very aggressive China, which is actually now uh, 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 very aggressive in our own region and especially in the Himalayan, also in the Himalayan region. So clearly, any strategy that we fashion with Nepal, you know, Nepal is very keen to revise the 1950 treaty, for instance, which we are prepared to do. But clearly, the treaty has to be a balance of interests of Nepal and India. And for us, the security uh, 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 interest is very, very significant given the very strong uh, presence of, of China. And on Satyajit's point, you know, I really think, you know, this is a very valid point. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Madhesis of Nepal. They all complain all the time that in Nepal people ask them, Acha, aap India se kab aay? And you also <laughs> ask, uh, you know, Indians ask the Madhesis in India, aap Nepal se kab aay? So there is so much ignorance. You know, the Madhesis of Nepal are exactly like the Nepalese of India. They went to Nepal with their land. They have always been living on their land. It's with Sugali Treaty that the boundaries got demarcated. Some people found themselves on this side, some on that side. But this is something very difficult. You know, politicians in Delhi, for instance, when they meet somebody with a name like Mahato, uh, you know, or Thakur from Nepal, the first question they say is, Acha, to aap India se kab gaye Nepal? So, you know, there is this huge lack of understanding. And I think this can only be overcome, you know, by sort of, uh, as you're saying, social media is very active today. So we need to really launch an education campaign that the Nepalese of Darjeeling, the Nepalese of Sikkim, they're as much Indian as any Indian in the rest of the country. And, uh, you know, I think uh, social media, as you said, the narrative uh, needs to change. Uh, so clearly, this is something uh, we need to work on. And the sooner we work on it, uh, I think the better. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Thank you, Ranjit Raiji. I uh, asked you to sum it up in the sense that as to uh, what we can look forward to. But I think uh, my key takeaways from this discussion are this people-to-people relationship, which needs to be worked upon. Looking at uh, respectable, balanced relationship from the Nepalese side, that also seems to be very, very important now. That uh, if we need to gain their trust, and also definitely there is a time to look at the old treaties that. Uh, see as to how it can be a balanced approach for future. So I would like to thank you all the panelists for taking part in today's discussion and enlightening us with their views. And also I would like to thank our team in UCOST, uh, Piyush and others who have helped us to hold this recording today and this craft team also. And uh, the uh, all the uh, VOW staff and the organizing team, we thank you very much for giving us this opportunity to have this discussion. Definitely, we'd like to hear more from all the panelists at some point of time in future. Let's see if we get the opportunity. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs>